Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Our text for this evening will be Luke chapter 2. Should be of no surprise. Luke chapter 2. The title is Faith or Fear on Christmas Day. Do we walk in faith or fear on Christmas Day? It's easy to uh, read the story and, and with it bring a lot of familiarity to it. We've Many of us have heard it almost our entire lives. Some of us have grown up in church and we've uh, been to Christmas services uh, year after year. And they're wonderful events and they bring wonderful memories. And I'm thankful that you are here tonight, uh, my church family, to be with uh, this Christmas. But as I read the Christmas story, I often think, what would this story be like if I ended up experiencing it? What would this be like if I brought my modern sort of attitudes and expectations to life, to the story? What would I, uh, how would I feel, especially if I was uh, in Mary's shoes, uh, going through the events that uh, she experiences in this passage? And let's look at it for just a second from sort of a modern person's eyes. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken to the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Well, thanks a lot. You're going to do a census while I'm pregnant? This is no time for this to happen. Anyone, you're going to have to go to your own town to register. So that means they're going to have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's 90 miles. Now, we assume that she was on a donkey. That's what all the nativity movies say. But the Bible doesn't explicitly say that. She's walking, more than likely, 90 miles while pregnant. And there's no bathroom breaks on these roads. No McDonald's to stop in. No 7-Elevens to take a break. You can imagine it would be easy to lapse into complaining. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why is this happening now? Why is this so difficult? Why uh, do I have to go through this? They went there to register, and they were, she was pledged to marry Joseph, and they were expecting this child. The time had come for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. And she comes and gives this birth, where in this wraps him in cloths, places him in a manger because there's no room for them. I can't imagine as a mother, imagine no hospital, no holiday inn, no place. Imagine how you would feel, how panicked as a mother wanted to give birth. And you're doing it, giving birth in basically a barn. Each home had its own barn. You didn't leave the animals outside. You brought them in, lest they be stolen. And at night, they, these, most of these homes in this area of Bethlehem were carved out of caves and carved out of sidewalls. So there would have been a manger actually carved out of rock. So food would be put there and water would be put there for the animals at night. If they wake up, they would feed. That way it wouldn't wake the family up who were in the next room. So here's a, your baby being born in a smelly barn. Anyone who's ever been at the zoo can kind of get an idea of what that's like, especially the monkey area. <clears throat> and yet, here she is, and Luke records no complaining word. 
Yet it was me or you, there's a good possibility we would be really upset with God right now for putting us in this situation full of filth and smell. And you imagine if I was, if you were caring for, asked to care for a baby and you, uh, someone was watching babysitting for you and you come home and they placed your baby in the dog pail where the dog feeds its food. Yet, here we don't see any of that attitude in her heart. There were these shepherds out in the fields and they came in and they were, uh, an announcement came, which we'll look at a little closer a little later. This announcement told them where to go. It didn't say follow a star. It said go to where there's a baby in a manger. The sign for you to follow is a baby in an animal feeding trough. So they would have gone house to house looking for this unusual event where this baby's in an animal trough. Now, once these shepherds come in and visit the Blessed Virgin Mary and Joseph, they stink. They smell. They're dirty. And they're around the child. You imagine as a mom... Don't you think you guys could clean up before you came in? What about your bacteria around all those sheep? You can see if you lapse into a mentality of complaining and you lapse into negativity, how easily it would be to miss what God would be doing. The Bible, uh, Paul tells us, do nothing while grumbling and complaining. And he quotes exactly in the Greek from Numbers where the uh, Israelites are grumbling and complaining against God for having to eat manna. And it's easy to lapse into negativity when we're scared, when we're frustrated, when it seems like everything's falling apart. And yet these shepherds come in, and not only do they come in and visit and worship, but then they go running around telling people all about the child. Would you want somebody running around all around town pointing, say, go to that house? If, in fact, if you keep talking like that, King Herod might find out and might want to kill him. But we see the only, it's interesting that scholars feel that there are sections, especially this early section of Luke, that the only way Luke could have known the details of what she was feeling and experiencing was if Mary had told him that one of his eyewitnesses that he mentions in chapter 1, verse 1, had to have been her. And yet she reports no complaining, no anger with God, but just an amazement pondering these things in our heart that God had done through her. Now let's look at this passage through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of belief. The first thing we're going to mention is very quickly is that we can rest in God's sovereignty over his people. There was a purpose in the census, and it was to get Mary from Na Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Because why? Because in Micah 5, 2, it's prophesied that the Messiah would come from that little town. God was up to something. And what looked like 
inconvenience us, looks looks like lots of trouble to us, that looks like a wasted trip, was actually God moving on a Caesar's heart to have a census in order to sovereignly get them from one place to another so that a prophecy could be fulfilled. So when things are going awry and we don't always understand why God's allowing our circumstances the way he is, we can rest knowing that God's sovereign even over the events of this world, even over rulers. We can also recognize that and realize that God keeps his promises in verses 4 to 6. When Joseph uh, from the town of Nazareth to Gal- in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, he belonged to the house of David. We know there that Scripture tells us that Micah 5 2 is the fulfillment of this verse. So that we so the first thing a heart of faith does, it one, it rests in God's sovereign purposes. Two, it recognizes that God, um, it realizes that God keeps his promises. So when we're in difficult places, we're going to stand on the word of God and believe that he's going to be faithful to us. And then verses five to eight, we recognize that they're giving birth in this very ordinary place, in this very ordinary town, and they're just ordinary everyday people. Recognize that God works in the ordinary, not always in the spectacular. We often want big events. Sure, I'd love to see the Exodus. I wish I could have been there going right across the Red Sea. But we recognize from how God was dealing with Elijah that oftentimes he speaks in a still, small voice. And he often operates through ordinary people, unspectacularly in everyday situations. So we can rest that God's working, realize that God's keeping his promises, recognize that even though our lives at times may feel boring, may feel small, we may feel insignificant at times, we can recognize that that's the kind of people God works through. That's the kind of events God works through. And notice when the shepherds come, they're at the fields and the flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appears to them and gives them, shones around them in verse 9, and they are terrified. One of the things that keeps us from complaining is we're going to uh, recognize and realize the fear of the Lord. Lord, before I get upset over this circumstance, I'm going to recognize you have something in it for me. And I don't want to fail you. I don't want to disappoint you. I want to respond to what you're doing, not react to what you're doing. And therefore, I'm going to have a fear, healthy fear of the Lord because I don't want to disappoint you. And these shepherds had a healthy fear of the Lord. They weren't buddy-buddy with these angels. They recognized that something powerful was happening. And these angels had been in the presence of the Lord, this heavenly host singing this choirful praise. They had been in the Lord's presence, and that presence was reflecting to them in this open field, and they were awed by it. And so what was this message? Verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, the gospel of great joy that will be for everyone, not just Jews, but also for Gentiles, not just for blacks, but also for whites, for Asians, for all people. I bring this good news. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. 
He's the Savior. He's going to save you from your biggest problem, which is your, our sin. He's our Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He's the one that's going to fulfill God's promises that he's sending someone to make everything right again. And then he is also the Lord. He is God Almighty. And he's come to be with us, as we know from Matthew 1, Emmanuel, God with us. What an incredible privilege that we have, that we know that each and every ordinary day we experience in our ordinary lives, in our ordinary jobs, God is with us. And our friendships and, our, and the things that we may be disappointed that our life didn't go the way we expected, but we can know that God is with us. Emmanuel with us, Savior with us, Christ with us. He's the Lord with us. God with us. Emmanuel, it means wherever you go, whatever you do, God's hand is on you. He's guiding you, comforting you, and fulfilling his promises to you. That's what that word from Isaiah that was read today by Noah from Isaiah 9. Emmanuel is the sign, God with you. And it's quoted again in Matthew 1. God is with us. So when you rest in God's presence, and you realize that God keeps his promise, and you recognize that God's working in the ordinary, you can receive God's message of salvation and open your heart to Christ the Lord. And as a result of that, you want to rejoice because he's changed your life you have someone who fulfills you and satisfies you, and you rejoice in this intimate relationship you have with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. When the angels had left them in verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this things that's happened, which the Lord told us about. Let's be obedient, and let's do the thing that the Lord has led us to be, and let's rejoice in what He's doing. In verse 16, they said they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they seen him, they spread the word concerning the child that was told to them. The verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. So you, were, you rest in God's? This is part of the Christmas story for us, whether we're going to respond or react to our circumstances. We're going to first, we're going to rest in God's sovereign purposes over his people. That's what Mary's response was. We're going to realize that God keeps his promise. We're going to recognize that God works in the ordinary. We're going to have a healthy fear of the Lord that we don't want to disappoint him in the daily choices we make. We're going to receive God's message of salvation and rejoice in who Christ is as our Messiah, as our Savior, as our Lord. And then we're going to run to worship this child born in this manger who is fully God and fully human and will be so forever, who condescended, descended from heaven to receive all this glory to become a dependent child who needs a diaper. Can you imagine holding God in your hand? And this is what Jesus was willing to do in order to save us and bring us to a place where we can have an intimate relationship with him. You receive God's message of salvation, rejoice in God's great grace. You run to worship and you share that word. You release that word to other people. Because you know that Jesus has changed your heart. You know he has fulfilled you. You want to share it with others. It's not something you're being told to do. 
It's not something you're moralistically trying to do to get God to like you. It's something you spontaneously do because Christ is living in you. So this Christmas story is not just for today or tomorrow or the holiday season. This Christmas story is for us to remind ourselves each and every day that we're called to Respond to what God's doing in our circumstances, not to react out of fear and anger, but to know that God has an appointment in the midst of our disappointment, and it's an appointment with Jesus in the midst of our circumstances. i close with this. Don't miss God, but meet God in your disappointment. Look for a deeper walk, not a dejected heart, and trust God and not look at trouble, but trust the Lord and don't live a troubled life. This is something that God has done through Mary and Joseph. It's something he speaks to us each day. And it's something that we can know, we can experience. This person, this child, this Jesus, he has come and he has set us free. Set us free from grumbling and complaining. Set us free from fear. Set us free from anger. He set us free to enjoy God. He set us free to be able to be in sweet communion with Him. He set us free from our sin so that our own selfishness which crops up and we know is forgiven. He's giving us His grace. This is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for this story, this Christmas story that stays with us, not just this day, but every day. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, we would live this story. We would live this, uh, this story of grace we would allow this child to live in and through us, this Christ, this Savior, this Lord. And Lord, we would look to you and respond to you each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.